Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Atlassian Ecosystem Podcast. This is episode 142. What's the frequency, Confluence? Great question. Well, I'm your host, Ryan Spilkin, and joining me today is the Peter Buck to my Mike Stipe, Brenda Burrell. Brenda, how's it going? Uh, much better now that that, com- that comparison has been made. <laughs> we, could, we could talk about... Uh, you know, peak era REM all day, but that's day. not what we're here to do today. We are here to Alas. talk about, yeah, right? I know. <laughs> we're here to update you on all the things that are going on in the Atlassian ecosystem, beginning with the Atlassian cloud, where we start with an update to Jira service management, where now Atlassian has improved naming for imported object types for Insight. When you import a CSV or JSON data into Insight for Jira Service Management, you'll be able to automatically create a new object type using that data. The name of the new object type will now be the file name of your source data. Does that work for your asset management needs? We sure hope so. Over in Jira Work Management, uh, you can now select and drag your cursor across multiple dates in your calendar to fill in the start and due dates when creating an issue. I love this. This is so visual. Uh, yeah, my, this just makes my brain happy. The issue detail view will open and your issue start date and due date will already be filled in. Aww. Aww. So you only need to fill out the rest of the issue details. Once you have entered those details, select create. The issue will be added to your project and visible on the calendar and in other views. Huzzah. Oh, that is so nice. I'm a big fan of the calendar uh, Jira integration. So the better they make that, the better for everyone. All around. And another uh, quality of life update in the Atlassian Cloud products comes in Confluence, where, and this is a big one, you can now add a status to your page. Now, we don't know exactly what this looks like yet because there's no sick gift to show us, but Atlassian states that by giving your content a status, you can help set expectations for viewers and collaborators when they come to a page. There are a few basic statuses that are available by default, but creators and editors can also add custom statuses that work for your team or your project. These are being left to the admin of the space to control what statuses are available per space, and the space admin can turn off statuses completely if they so choose. I'm pumped about this feature. I am so pumped about this because you can, of course, start a Confluence page, use a template, change the status that's built into that template. But as anyone who's used Confluence for any length of time knows, page templates start changing from space to space, over time, et cetera. And that Atlassian is making a a page status part of the overall Confluence experience. That is an awesome move in my book. This is more than a quality of life update. As someone who earns their bread and butter in knowledge management, this this is a massive update that has been just sort of buried a little. Oh my gosh, statuses on Confluence pages. This is this is something we've been begging for for a long time. And it's really going to change the way I think people interact with Confluence because Sure, you could remember to put a a lozenge on your page that says this is draft, but you may or may not remember. Everybody does it a little bit differently. Having a consistent experience across the entire Confluence instance, this makes my knowledge management heart so happy. I cannot even begin to express what a huge update this is. So is it perfect? Probably not. Is it a step in the right direction? Absolutely. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) I went through and looked at 
uh, the roadmaps for cloud versus data center um, today when I was preparing the the articles for this podcast. Um, I got to say, there's a lot of stuff that makes the end users' lives so much better coming to the cloud, and virtually none of this is planned for data center. And I hope that somebody out there in Atlassian world recognizes that that is less than awesome for the hundreds of thousands of people who are still using data center to manage their team's projects. Bring some of that into the into the on-premise solution team, please. Here, here. <laughs> I'll drink to that. Moving on from cloud news, um, an update to Atlassian personnel. Um, Atlassian has announced that Rajiv Rajan will be joining in May as the company's new chief technology officer. Uh, prior to this, uh, Mr. Rajan was at Meta uh, for nearly five years as vice president and head of engineering. And we're just really looking forward to seeing what changes uh, Rajiv Rajan might bring to Atlassian. I'll say that once Adaptivist appointed a CTO, our first CTO in uh, John Mort, things definitely started taking a positive tack in the in the uh, product delivery sphere. So it can only it can only make things better. And that is a wonderful opportunity for us to mention that John Mort will be joining us on our next episode. So uh, to our viewers at home, tune in next week for an introduction to the man himself, CTO John Moore. <laughs> yeah, we're going to welcome him to the Thunderdome with a... <laughs> <laughs> he has no idea what he's in for, does he? Yeah, he really doesn't. <laughs> but we look forward to speaking with John. He'll be able to bring in a lot of um, sort of back-end knowledge, uh, the development knowledge and how that can affect you, our listeners and, and using your Atlassian products. So the next episode, look for our CTO, John Mort. And finally, Atlassian has issued a post-incident review on the uh, infamous Team 22 outage, the April 22 outage. And this is a toothy update to say the least. That it is. It begins with a letter from Scott and Mike and goes down into a highly detailed, um, so much so that the description is uh, multiple paragraphs before it finally gets down to the table of contents where they actually talk through everything. The beautiful thing about this is that it's public. It is, it's well done. It's concise. Um, it does take responsibility. It shows how the team is planning to, to make it not happen again. And um, if you were one of the people who are affected and you're concerned about Atlassian stability going forward, I highly recommend you check this article out. It really is a study in we screwed up and and it's we take responsibility for this. The the way it's written, it's it's very professional as a PIR should be. Um, what, what it boils down to was a communication gap, uh, where a team requested a particular deletion and then a different team ran a deletion of some, um, some fields for, it was basically around insight. And what ended up happening was instead of deleting certain bits of data, it deleted entire sites. 
and there were insufficient system warnings in place. The API that was used to run this deletion did not differentiate between here's a small thing and here's a big thing. Um, so they, they have summarized it as there was a miscommunication between two teams and then there was an API that didn't ask for a confirmation that really should have been asked for. Um, so if you were affected or if you weren't and you want to see just kind of the gold standard for what a good PIR looks like, um, we'll have this link in our show notes. Highly recommend. It's beefy. You don't have to read the whole thing, but if you're interested in it, there's a lot of information there. And it's, it's exactly the kind of response you would expect to see from a company that had a two-week-long outage. There's one important bit of this PIR that I want to point out, and that is under how will how will we improve Atlassian states as we move forward from this incident and reevaluate our internal processes? We want to recognize that people don't cause incidents. Rather, systems allow for mistakes to be made. That's beautiful. They're not blame, there's no blame game going on. There is a look at the broader picture and a proper response. It's just great. Now, this all started while we were at Team 22. I was getting ready to deliver a training course on incident management, no less. Um, and I actually ended up pulling up Atlassian's page as an example throughout the day because uh, I ran two courses on incident management. Um, they, they started off strong. You know, hey, there's, there's an incident we know about it, we're investigating. And there were regular updates and then it just kind of dropped off. They are, they are right to say that there are some improvements that can be made in how they handle those incident communications. Um, at the beginning, I was like, you know, this is, this is how it's done. Look, there's updates. There's regular updates. They're coming in. They're, and then suddenly it was just not there anymore. Yeah, the complex, uh, they, they acknowledge that the complexity yeah. of this outage became so much that their comms team was overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. Yeah, it says that at its peak, this incident had hundreds of engineers and customer support employees working simultaneously to restore customers' sites. Our incident management program and teams were not designed to handle the depth, expansiveness, and duration of this type of incident, but they are changing it. And they're outlining exactly how they're going to change it. Just fantastic stuff. It will be interesting to see how some of those improvements actually go into play, um, but for now, this is, this is what Atlassian needed to do, and I think they've done a good job with it. Well, that's really it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please, as always, comment, like, and share wherever you comment, like, and share podcasts. If you'd like to reach us, uh, comment on social. We're at Adaptivist. We would love to hear from you. And for Ryan Spilken, I'm Brenda Burrell, and that's it for this week. I, I had a mental image of myself in full Viking costume, raising a chalice of mead, going, just, <laughs> oh, ah!